0: Welcome to the Authentic Connection podcast. My name is Laura and I want to thank you first for listening. This has been a real incredible, fun, passion project for me and I love, love, love it. So, thank you. Today's conversation is number two in our Splore sessions. I talked to Raquel Min of Kanuka Yoga she is a trauma informed yoga teacher and a relationship anarchist. This is a this was a really fun conversation. It was done at Splore in the van, so that kind of made it even more fun. But it's a little bit different as well, so that's what I really liked about Raquel's point of view. This podcast again is all about getting people's different points of views and listening to their experiences and how what can we learn from different people's experiences? We chatted in and dove into the topic that Raquel spoke at in her workshop at SPLOR, which was non-monog- non-monogamy and the yogic philosophy. So using the yamas and the niyamas to guide uh, multi-love relationships. So the yamas uh, sort of can be thought of as the moral code. It's one of the eight limbs of the yoga philosophy. So we talk on truth and kindness or non-violence. So it's a really nice way to kind of pull in the yoga philosophy and apply it to problems and issues and things that you're dealing with in real life. No matter if you are interested or not in polyamory, there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from this philosophy. Really fun conversation and really can't wait for you to hear it yourself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm gonna be quiet now. Uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Raquel Min. Hi, Raquel. So so lovely to have you. Oh, it's so cozy. <laughs> yeah, we've got a cup of chai, so we are just settling in for an incredible conversation about what Raquel is passionate about, which is. Well, pairing up the yoga philosophy with relationship philosophy. Do you want Hmm. to explain that for us?
1: Yeah. So I have felt like it's been my calling recently. I guess a little background on myself. I'm Mm, um, a yoga teacher. I run a yoga studio. And I consider myself trauma sensitive. And when we talk about relationships, uh, I also consider myself a polyamorous, bit of a relationship anarchist, mostly heterosexual. (laughs) Um, And so all of that really there's quite a few different sort of boundaries there that I'm working with and I find that yoga really helps me reflect on how I want to structure things Mm. within my life so that I feel at peace and I feel secure and I feel stable. Mm. Yeah.
0: Cool. Mm. That's incredible the yoga philosophy do you want to take us through the basic principles on that yeah
1: okay so one way that I have found um, to be super beneficial as I navigated polyamory and what it means to me was reflecting it through the yamas and niyamas so for those that practice yoga most of yoga students that are going to the yoga studios are most familiar with asana Mm. so that is one of the eight paths of sort of this higher level of consciousness we're trying to reach. So Mm. the eight limbs of yoga. Mm. And asana is one, the physical postures. Pranayama is another one, which is, you know, our breath. And then the yamas and niyamas are two other ones. And the yamas and niyamas are essentially ten principles That help us lead a more balanced life, a more peaceful life. And there are principles like himsa, non-violence or non-harming, satya, truth, we've got contentment, non-excess, non-stealing. So there's 10 principles that can really be applied to life full stop, but in polyamory when I was opening up and exploring there weren't really that many resources to sort of make me feel supported mm. but luckily was going through yoga teacher training at the same time that I was opening up my relationship diving deeper into my polyamorous identity and I just found these yamas and niyamas to one make me feel like my experience is super valid but two how can I navigate this the least harmfully the kindest way um, still honoring my truth mm. and and whatnot yeah
0: cool mm. were there any particular things that forced you to step into exploring the polyamorous yeah. side like do you want to even just take us through that journey a yeah, little bit if you're sure. happy to share
1: yeah I'm sure so I Consider myself polyamorous by orientation. Other people m- might consider themselves polyamorous by lifestyle. Mm. So the difference is that I believe it is an inherited trait in me. It's like genetic. It's like whether I want to be this way or not, I am polyamorous. Whereas a lot of other people are considering practicing polyamory because of a lifestyle choice. Maybe they believe in the philosophy, or maybe you know, it's it's, it's quite a conscious decision. Mm kind of put it in a different lens. One of my partners, he's inherently monogamous. That's sort of like the language he speaks, but he's learned the second language of polyamory. Whereas like my inherent language is polyamory. And maybe one day I might consciously choose to be monogamous, but it's not something that quite happens naturally. Yeah. And there's a variety of reasons why I feel I'm this way, and I can only speak to my experience, but yeah. I think it's it's a mixture of inherited trauma. It's a, a mixture of, you know, sort of the actions of my mother and my grandmother, and I see sort of the journeys that they had, and I realize, oh, they probably were polyamorous but because of society there's a lot of guilt and shame around that and the decisions they've made in the past growing up so in this life for me I my both my parents passed away so I was raised by multiple caregivers Mm. at any given time and aunties uncles nanas papas my my siblings you know like it was a network it was multiple attachments so I'm not that surprised that now in my adult relationships I feel more safe and secure when I have multiple caregivers or multiple romances keeping me, making me feel supported. So I had that aha moment, like, oh my gosh, I'm polyamorous. <laughs> Around the time I was turning 30, mm. this was a few years ago, and it was really because someone was explaining to me what polyamory was, and I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much I think that's me. And then as I dove deeper, I was like, oh my, like this is making me feel so much lighter, learning more. Like this is like, I feel like someone sees me. This is, this is me. And so I was in a monogamous relationship with my partner for probably about five years at that point. And when I told him, which was sort of exacerbated by that I had met someone and I was like, well, this is the chance for me to kind of explore what what polyamory means to me and when i opened up to him he wasn't surprised you know Mm. we had kind of had conversations in those first few years that we worked together about like okay like what like what if we could have like a hall pass what would that look like you know or and, and we ended up having this agreement where it was okay well if you if you travel maybe outside the country because we had pre-COVID times with our corporate roles that we had that did happen like a few times a year. And it was like, so if we traveled, you know, for work and you had like a little fling, that's totally cool. And so that's what happened. And then when that happened, I was like, this is, this is more than like just a fling. And it was just a fling. But for me at that moment, it was more than just a fling because it was me understanding that I was polyamorous Mm. a little less about like I'm really into this guy who who ended up unfortunately not being someone who probably was a good fit for me but Mm. it was what kicked off that exploration of polyamory Mm. if that makes sense totally and then after that moment oh, it was just it and it continues to be just understand what polyamory means to me and so now that's kind of how I've drifted into like relationship anarchy because I'm realizing oh that's what feels most honest but that's by k- kind of pushing quite a few few boundaries until I realize like oh, that didn't feel quite right nope that doesn't work and yeah that's kind of where I'm in now so I'm, I'm lucky enough right now to have two secure and stable relationships they look very differently I'm still with my original monogamous partner. Wow. He's now probably, you would say, polyamorous by lifestyle, but like I said, he's inherently monogamous. Mm. And my other partner, it's really tough to have labels, especially when you consider yourself a relationship anarchist. Yeah. The whole know, point. Is well, yeah, exactly. Then, exactly. then the more recent relationship, which has been two years now, I've just recently started labeling boyfriend. It makes mm. him feel supported and secure. You know, right? So so I've got sort of my uh, romantic business partner and my boyfriend who I live with. I've just moved in with. Ah. Yeah. So I never would have like, thought that I would be in this situation, but I'm feeling, I feel very grateful. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: And even thinking back to potentially the trauma of your mother and your grandmother, mm. like mm although it's 2021 and there's a whole lot of crazy shit happening, like we're pretty lucky Mm. that we can explore and express and do what we want. Really? Oh,
1: especially when we're talking about polyamory and especially in New Zealand, Mm. because other than those few weeks last year where you're supposed to stay in your bubble, which I I don't really want to get into because I'm like that whole bubble, the concept of a bubble, it's like, it's like that doesn't, it's not conducive to, someone who relates outside of that traditional norm anyways we're still so lucky because Mm. polyamorous people all over the states for the last year have been like separated from their loved ones like for so long and so yeah super blessed to be here in new zealand and being able to have extended bubbles that might include your other significant others
0: yeah Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. i just pulled out truth when you mentioned the Mm. yamas and the niyamas yeah and I wondered if you could speak on that in particular relationship to yeah. your uh, relationship with anarchy.
1: Yeah. Okay. It was me stepping into my truth mm. when I said I was like, you know, turned about 30. Me stepping into my truth was my polyamorous identity. And there's so many other yamas and niyamas that weave into this moment mm. as as yoga, you know, does, you know, it all has to come together for that sort of like, aha, but but it was sort of that moment of truth, and I stepped into it and shared that with my partner. And there was just, it was like, it, there was so, it was so much risk, right? Because it was like, as soon as I say this, it is going to change up what we've known mm. f- with each other forever. Mm. There's no going back. But, you know, what they say is, it, you know, if once you let go of everything love is all that's left. Mm. So it was in that moment where I knew that I would risk like losing this man who I love and will always love and who I'm committed to completely. Again, exclusivity doesn't mm. allow, you know, isn't exclusive with commitment. So I was I, like knew like I was always going to be here for him, but he, you know, had every right not to be there for me as soon as i said you know i'm i'm polyamorous and that was but that was a truth for mm. me worth standing up for because this truth for, was steeped in my desire to love and be loved mm. and for me that means feeling support from multiple multiple people and if that was something that like you know the risk of losing him at least I was still standing in my truth and not mm. living this this story that wasn't mine which I've had to do you know like it, it kind of was like before I realized all these like beliefs that I was holding on to that weren't mine which it was monogamy essentially mm. I had so much shame and guilt that I was like sort of s- searching for this other connection even Mm. though I was in this really amazing beautiful monogamous relationship always constantly searching for something else which is why we kind of had these conversations around okay what would your hall pass be Mm. you know and sort of so he wasn't surprised when I (laughs) Finally, stood. He's like, "Yep, kinda saw that one coming." Let's. How do we navigate this? But yeah, so so the the truth being that it was it was something that was scary, mm. but it was something that just drove me to stand and and shine a light on that, knowing that I would feel more free mm. when I did.
0: Mm. Yeah, that would have been a really difficult conversation to have. I can imagine, and yeah. without people having the being in the exact same situation, I feel like. Communicating your truth to your partner, especially if it's if it's a difficult truth, can be quite scary. Definitely. From your experience, do you have yeah. any recommendations or ideas or <sighs> practices that people could do to even to help them connect down into their truth and, and communicate really gently? Yeah oh
1: well before
0: in the yamas and niyamas
1: before truth comes Mm non-harm ahimsa and none of the yamas or niyamas can really be applied unless ahimsa is there first Mm. and that's just saying your truth with kindness yeah so i think what truly made the difference and again there are many people that come into poly- polyamory or, or consensual non-monogamy, which is, you know, sort of the more umbrella term, polyamory mm-hmm. only being one part of, one type of structure within the non-monogamy mm-hmm. umbrella. But many people come into it, like, not from a relationship. But I think, um, kind of going in, in a tangent here, but I think that for couples that come Hopefully that come from a stable and secure relationship. That safety, that grounding is actually what enables someone within that relationship to feel safe enough to explore
0: mm.
1: more. Mm. So it's that safety and stability mm. f- first that helps with being able to explore your truth. And that is so hard to do because you know us as human creatures we deal with trauma all the time and trauma being when you the the nervous system doesn't feel safe Mm. or secure so having practices where we can soothe that nervous system just helps us then feel settled enough to actually you know see that that internal Truth underneath all that that noise. So for me, it was being in that safe and secure relationship with my partner. So he's like, "Oh, I've created a monster." (laughs) Um, But since then, we—I mean, like—we're so close. Still, we're so connected, and it was all because like safe and secure. And then the communication was always 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 kind mm. well mostly kind there's definitely moments that I got probably heated up because it is quite a triggering topic totally but for me always just reminding him that this had nothing to do with how he has treated me mm. this has nothing to do with anything that he's lacking that I am here and committed to him even if that means this dynamic has changed like I'm still Loyal and and want only the best for him and and it's just that I don't tie exclusivity into that.
0: I heard somebody use the analogy of their children as an example for sort of mm-hmm. explaining to people about the sort of concept. You know, yeah. it doesn't make just because you have a second child it doesn't make you like or love the first one any less. Yeah, so I exactly.
1: Think- or even your friends. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people. We were looking for a romantic love, and we find it, and we're so lucky. But that doesn't mean, yeah you, know, you can have so many friends, which is like that super special connection as well. And that is kind of the same. It's like there are many times you can find that super special romantic connection. Mm. Actually, as, as polyamorous as I am, yeah. it still can be rare, which is why I think when you do run into it, it needs to be honored. It needs to be acknowledged. It can't, you know, it doesn't, you can't just pretend it's it's not there that's not being very kind or truthful mm, mm. if that spark is there even though you've had a spark with someone else for me it's like it's such a special thing that it needs to be acknowledged a lot of people you know they're like monogamy is a beautiful thing mm. it is such a beautiful thing but what I aim to do is just normalize non-monogamy so that we're not assuming that monogamy is the standard mm. or the that that is the goal or structure that we're all aiming towards it's just a different structure mm. it's monogamous by choice so when you take away sort of those assumptions that's when you can actually truly uncover like what does a healthy happy stable relationship looks like look like to me mm. if i didn't lean into these like unspoken because they're they're so set in society that you don't even have to talk about you know what it means to love someone because everyone just assumes like, well, it means that I'm only with you. Yeah. And it's like, actually, there's so many other elements to it. And it really forces that conversation. So the the biggest benefit, I think, that most people who are practicing consensual non-monogamy would be the communication and, and, and increasing that self-awareness mm. so that you can speak your truth.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think communication is one of the most important things when it comes to any relationship isn't it and then another term i've heard recently is actually conscious monogamy Mm -hmm. because with society and the way that we've grown up and been conditioned many people end up in a unconscious or sort of default monogamous relationship so i think even if you are totally monogamous reframing it so that you've chosen to be that way not that you're trapped in that structure yeah
1: totally totally and and yeah, like i said it. And, and i think when when all your ideas of monogamy are challenged mm. it forces you to make conscious decisions that Actually, I consciously want to be monogamous because this is what works best for me. And just having that com- that conversation is just, just so empowering. And so monogamy, super, super beautiful. But one of the lessons that monogamous can learn from polyamorous is, Amazing. I think, the communication. And don't take anything for granted, you yeah. know? Like, everything can be discussed. And if you can discuss it with kindness, it's just only going to enhance your relationship, monogamous or not. Yeah. yeah.
0: So with authentic connection... Yeah this is a podcast about finding your truth which we've actually already spoken about Yeah, which I really cool. love but I would be interested in, in your life and your daily practice mm. to f- sort of keep yourself really centered you know if you have mm. one of those real crazy hectic busy days yeah. what do you go and do that just really centers you, brings you back to your authentic self.
1: Yeah, yeah. The first thing that comes into mind is, like, hanging out with my dog.
0: (laughs) Mm, Oh, my gosh. It's just like children almost. So so, Yeah, they're so beautiful.
1: And and I think it just is as a chance because it's – I have two jobs. I run the yoga studio. Mm. I also have a corporate role. And then I have two partners too. (laughs) So it's like between my two jobs and then my other two jobs, it can be – be hard sometimes to make time for just myself mm. and I think hanging out with my dog it's like she doesn't like expect anything expect of you. anything of me and she's like quite happy to just be sitting by my side sometimes not, like she could be happy you she barks for attention it definitely soothes the nervous system being able to like pet her and talk to her and just have her love me unconditionally without question it's a very Beautiful. simple love you know as a relationship anarchist some of your decisions aren't always simple. <laughs> it's quite complex. You have to sort of talk about every single structure. And dog training is pretty straightforward. So And they um, always
0: love you. And they always
1: love me. So I know I should have said something around, like, yoga. No, um, no, that
0: <laughs> is perfect, Raquel. Oh, my but gosh. That,
1: like, it's just woven in all the time, but my, my dog sex. Like, I think also because I do wish... Festivals were more dog friendly. Cause yeah. i love to have my dog at festivals. That's something I or hadn't explore, even thought about. By the way, yeah, yeah. So, that's something yeah. I
0: hadn't even thought about. There's plenty of children hanging around, but no
1: dogs. I know, and I'm like, I'm that person that takes my dog to parties. Mm. Like, like she goes everywhere with me. I work from home, so she just hangs out with me all day. And so and this is, I think, my eighth festival this summer. Whoa! Yeah, I've been on a bit of a, I've been on a run, which I think just gotta do it you know like mm. other other places in the world are so closed off i've just been absolutely loving it but every time i go away for a few days i have to leave the dog behind so yeah. that's why i'm like oh chica <laughs> Should i wish chica centers me but like i said i am a yoga teacher so I'm just pausing taking a breath grounding myself which is all things i do when i'm hanging out with my dog it just gives me a moment to step away from work step mm. away from my other relationships and just take a moment to let my own heart expand for <laughs> mm. cool, yeah. Cool.
0: And then in terms of where it's floor and the yeah. the the theme this year is mother or Papa mm. How yeah. do you connect with the earth? How do I connect
1: with the earth? Let's take it back to Chica for a moment. It's just been such a blessing because I got her right before COVID, so it was like the best thing to have a dog over lockdown and whatnot. And 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 going outside every day to walk my dog has is, is just it's just. Uh, so underrated. Mm-hmm. I live in Hobsonville Point which is quite a developed area but luckily a lot of parks and coastal land so I go I take her for walks every day and then recently bought a mountain bike, an e-mountain bike which just elevates the situation so much The uphill must be so much easier. (laughs) Yeah so it's been really lovely too just like spending time outside on my bike. I used to paraglide so would find times to go fly when I could so the whole premise of canoe yoga the studio that I opened up was always to connect outdoors mm. wanted to be able to bring that element of outdoor adventure into the studio and like the practices that you have in the studio would enhance sort of the time that you spent outside so yeah connecting with nature just like try to do it as often as I can in, in all types of way we're going into winter so hopefully booking in a snowboarding trip soon and connecting with the mountain but yeah we the one thing I wish I did a little bit more of this summer was a bit surfing. Mm. And didn't quite get out, but that's okay. Water's not quite my forte. Mm. I'm not a Kiwi baby. You yeah. know, always, I've always been around the water. I'm from Texas, so it's like, not quite like well, it's the heart of Texas, so it wasn't quite as um, confident in the water, but it's something that I would like to get more into the flow of. But mm. yeah. Cool. Yes, yeah, so the floor is absolutely beautiful to connect with the outdoors oh my god it's so gorgeous went for a swim after being in that tent
0: earlier (laughs) yeah i I haven't made it done yet but i'm desperate to to get into the water and then these are the last sort of questions i ask everybody so the last one is around actually finding really authentic connection with other people so we do obviously get a lot of connection with people but not necessarily super deep authentic connection Mm. so i was just wondering if there was a way that you find or that you use to help just connect with people really authentically
1: yeah I guess because I am trauma sensitive I approach in my teachings and in the way that I relate with people trying my best to create a safe space where they can be vulnerable Mm. and vice versa and I think when you have done that, or you know, in the yogic world, held space for mm. that. It allows people, yeah, the the security to actually share what's what's happening underneath this armor that mm. they've had. And and trauma comes Beautiful. in all types of forms. You know, they could have stubbed their toe that day and yeah. not want to talk to anyone. But you've you know, I don't know, offered you know, offered a space where like they've like. They we're say, able to share I stubbed my toe today I'm kind of cranky <laughs> to of course a lot heavier trauma that's been there for a long long time I think it's just so critical to be able to have the tools to understand how to create that that safety and it's in mm. the language that we use mm. it's in the way that we hold our body and it's mm. um you know it's there's so many subtle subtle ways of just making other people feel safe so that they can share their authentic self
0: yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> so, well, yeah, that's all I wanted to go into with you, Raquel. Is there anything else you would like to share or finish on or anything you didn't feel um, like you yeah, want to share? Yeah,
1: I just wanted to sort of, I guess, like give a shout out to anyone who is curious about exploring non-monogamy. There's a beautiful, beautiful book called Poly Secure Mm. by Jessica Fern. It just came out, I think, end of last year. And she talks about relating with others from a non-monogamous lens. So all these lessons can be applied to a monogamous relationship, but she just is more inclusive Mm. of non-monogamy in there but from a attachment style and trauma mm. so understanding your attachment style you know whether you're secure insecure avoidant disorganized and how you can get to a more secure space relating with your partners and and she just does beautiful job it just gives you a language to sort of understand you know i'm feeling insecure in order to feel a little bit more secure i might need you to hug me for a little bit you know yeah. or, so it's just creating a language to talk about your experience and i found that super helpful and it's just like groundbreaking that this book finally exists you know Mm. like i said when i was looking at uh, polyamory i was like there's not that many resources and even the resources that are that were out you know you know 10 or 15 years ago are kind of outdated because they're not trauma-informed or Mm. trauma-sensitive so polysecure by jessica fern totally recommend her book if you are thinking about exploring non-monogamy but just worried that jealousy might come up Mm. or worried about what that means to the security of your own relationship it's just a powerful book to give you the tools and and knowledge around navigating that yeah so a little shout out there to jessica (laughs) yeah that
0: sounds epic i know i've only just dabbled into the attachment styles very surface level but there yes it's it's quite an interesting philosophy and i love how you talk about using language to to talk about how we feel because that's actually quite difficult when you kind of get to the roots of it we we find it very hard to speak about how we feel totally
1: and and some we just don't know the word. i mean i feel like a huge turning point for the reason that i learned that i was polyamory was because i finally heard that word yeah literally language is so powerful yeah
0: it's like if you don't have a word for it how are you ever going to communicate it to somebody else yeah or even to yourself Yeah.
1: yeah yeah so definitely recommend her her book
0: Cool, incredible! Yeah. Thank you so much oh, for, your for your time me. today, Raquel. Oh, yeah. That was incredible. So I'll put all the bits and bobs, a link to Kanuki Yoga, and the show notes. Oh, cool! Yeah, thank you. Sweet. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And as always, I would love to hear what you think about these conversations so please reach out to me the best way is on instagram i'm at wilder so that's wild w-i-l-d with an r on the end underscore wellness and we are also on uh me and Tasha are on at honeypot culture so jump on instagram if you're that way inclined and please let us know what you think Otherwise, if you listen through the Honeypot website, please just send us an email. We we loved hearing your feedback and love hearing your thoughts. So yeah, that's me. I'm super excited. I've still got two more floor conversations to go, maybe even three more, depending on whether Tish manages to interview Stella. So that's super exciting and maybe coming up. Have a lovely rest of your day and I'll talk to you all very soon.